0: I don't know about you, but I'm not dying of the coronavirus. A lot of other things out there. Did y'all hear the good news? I heard today there's a report that doctors have got it figured out that if you eat a cup of Rocky Road ice cream every night, that it'll cure the coronavirus. Did y'all hear that? Glory to God. Some good news tonight. <laughs> why couldn't they just have that happen? I mean, why? Then there'd be a run on Rocky Road. Well, praise Jesus. I want to share something with you tonight, and um, let's see where we're going to go. Get your Bibles out. Go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. You know, um, I talked to Kendra this afternoon. All the lawyers are working on the land. It's all official. It's ours, but they got to go through all the paperwork to get it to seal the deal. So praise God, Kenya's going on. So I'm glad for that. Did y'all find Matthew chapter 12, verse 9? Okay. I actually have a title of the message tonight. It's called Ask. So anyway, Matthew 12, 9 says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And he asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, what man is there among you that has sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not lay a hold of it and lift it out? How much more value are you than this man? How much more value? Huh, I can't read that right. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. <clears throat> and he said to them, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Okay. So. Through this whole series, I've been teaching about healing. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm, that I, I'm stories I'm reading, and I've read them and read them and read them, but then I'm, I'm reading them again, and I'm like, oh, huh. I didn't see that, didn't look at it quite like that. And I pray that's what's happening with y'all, that y'all are seeing some things that maybe you didn't ever see before. So I like to put myself in that, that scene, and I like to try to imagine what would it have looked like, right? And so I can be wrong by doing that because, you know, I wasn't there. But anyway, a withered hand. So I would have, you know, that could be a lot of different things, I guess. You know, it could be withered. I mean, I don't know. It says a withered hand. But then he said, stretch out your arm. So was his arm drawn in? Which is kind of what I've always thought, right? Like, we don't know. Was it an accident? Was it a birth deal? Was, you know, what was going on? But my imagery of this has always been that his arms, like, somehow it's obviously drawn in, right? And so Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. So let's think about that. He says, stretch out your hand. Well, obviously, he couldn't stretch out his hand until Jesus issued the command. Somewhere in between the words Jesus spoke, Going into the ears of the man, then the man must have tried to stretch out the hand and it stretched out. You follow me? There's a, there, there, there was a... The healing didn't come about till the man obeyed the command of Jesus and stretched out the hand, right? So if the man would have looked at Jesus, this is just I'm, I'm just throwing this out. If the man would have looked at Jesus and said... Uh, my hands with it; it's never moved. I can't stretch it out. He wouldn't have been healed because he didn't act on the word. He put no faith in. If he would, have, if that would have happened, he would have put no faith in the word that was spoken. So therefore, there would have been no reaction to what happened—him stretching out the hand. Now let's look at a different point. Look at what Jesus said. He didn't say, "Father, it's in heaven. Hallowed be your name." I just declare, and I thank you, Lord, you're a God of healing, you're a God of power, you're a God of signs, you're a God of wonders, oh God, who sitteth in the heavens, who resteth upon the clouds, heal this poor soul's arm, his withered, you can see this man has suffered so long, he, he didn't do any of that, right? He didn't get big and elaborate in his prayer, and he go to begging and go to doing all this stuff, he just, it doesn't say that he laid hands on him, he literally spoke the word, stretch out your arm, and whoop, and then the Pharisees, let's kill him. So there wasn't an audience of faith there in agreement with him. He definitely was on hostile ground. So, I mean, you know, you can always back up and go back to the old religious cliche, well, but he was Jesus. He was the son of God, you know. And, but wait a minute. You know, last time I checked, you know, according to, you know, Multiple places, you're children of God, you're born again, you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit of God, sons of God. So this got me pondering, got me thinking, got me just dwelling on this about how, you know, it's somewhere in that moment between the word being issued and the man hearing and then the response where we get messed up. We either get too analytical. We begin to think about it. We begin to try to figure out, well, what does he mean? Stretch out my hand. Does he really mean stretch? I well, you know, mean, just try to stretch my hand. I mean, I don't know if I have believed that I have received. Do I have faith? Is if you know, is the seeds probably grown in my heart? Yeah, I mean, come on. Don't don't we do that a lot of times? We just get all analytical and we get to thinking and we're running things around in our head rather than just being simple-minded and just saying, uh, okay, stretch out my hand. Okay. So then I got to dwelling on this and got to thinking about this. And so, um, let me me use this little example for you here. I'm not getting anything off this computer. I'm just trying to make it quit doing what it's doing. Y'all don't think I'm really researching here. I'm just trying to make it stop. So, as I just kept dwelling on this and thinking about this and praying about this, well, let's go to another scripture first. Look at, let's go to... Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen, verse seven. John fifteen seven and eight. Jesus said, "If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you." Man, that's a big, whew, that's a big scripture, isn't it? If you if the if you abide in me and my words abide in you, okay, that's the first part of it, right? So the the prerequisite for this working is you've got to be praying and asking in the will of God and knowing what the will of God is, right? Because you know how it would be if God answered every prayer that was prayed, then there'd be a lot of dead people that, you know, the, the news would be full of dead people. You don't know why Harvey died. He just woke up, you know, went over to his house to get him. There he was dead in his bed, you know, and that was from the little lady across the street and I'd kill that guy. My Lord, kill him. And so, you know, they, you, you got to be praying in the will of God, right? And you got to be abiding in him, So, you know, you don't have the heart to kill. So anyway, he says, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I've tried to tear down a bunch of wrong thinking in our minds through all these teachings about about sin and about, you know, did Jesus die for sin? Did he also die for healing? I've been trying to tear down some things. So I think tonight you're probably going to get some little bit of ripping and some little stretching when I go to this. So let's just say, I'll just use Pat for an example. Okay, so um, Pat right now, you don't owe me anything, right? I had not done any work for you. I haven't given you an invoice, and there's no money that needs to be exchanged between us. So Pat doesn't, I'm not needing to call in a bill, right? I haven't done any work for him. But if I ask Pat, if I say, Pat, uh, and I know Pat's hard. Pat's a good guy. Gay's better, but Pat's good. And so if I said said to him, uh, Pat, I... give me $2,000, okay? Let's make it more than that. Pat, give me $10,000. I ask him, right? But, well, I said, I ask him, Pat, give me $10,000. I'm asking him to give me $10,000. I said, Pat, will you give me $10,000? How about that? That even sounds better. Will you give me $10,000? Okay, in in the word ask, according to, to Webster's Dictionary, the word ask, it says it can be two ways. The two that I'm talking about here is one is seek information. Like, Pat, what's your address? Okay, I'm seeking information. I'm asking to gain information or to make a request. Now, if Pat owed me $10,000, I'd done work for him. And I said, hey, Pat, I need you to pay me that $10,000. He owes it to me, so I'm expecting him to give it to me. Right? Because it's due me. But if he doesn't owe me $10,000, then my request I'm asking him, or the way I'm saying it, will you give me $10,000? I don't know if he will or not. So what happens to us a lot of times, we go to the Lord with this kind of verbiage and this kind of thinking, we're asking, but we don't know that we're really going to get. You follow me? Because that's what we, that's what the word ask means to us. And so we go to the Lord and we say, it's like, will you? Can you please? It gets into more of a beg, a more of a. You know, kind of a a word, right? And that's not a word, that's not faith. Okay? So here you say, well, that's kind of a, a bad word translated. Well, we don't understand the Greek. Because that word, will you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Ask the word ask there in the Greek. It's the word, it's spelled A-I-T-E-O, and it means to be adamant in requesting and demanding assistance to meet tangible needs, such as food, shelter, and money, and so forth. So in other words, the word couldn't truly be translated, you will demand what you desire, because that, to say demand, that's like, who are you to be demanding anything from God? But Wait a minute. Wait a minute, if it's if it's within, if Pat has given me authority to do something and I walk up, oh, here we go, I'm working for Pat, I'm flying the helicopter, and I go to Pat, <laughs> and I go to Pat and say, hey, we got to put fuel in the helicopter, give me your credit card, I need, to put, I need to get gas, or I'm driving his truck, y'all with me, I'm driving his truck, and I say, hey, we need, your, your truck's empty, we need gas, give me your credit for your gas, I'm not really demanding, Pat, give me your credit card. I'm not demanding it, but he he's put me in authority over the truck. The truck needs gas. I'm telling him, give me your credit card. He's paying for the gas. You follow me? Well, see, we don't think about that's that word demanding. I'm not, that's what that word means. Ask there. I'm not demanding it like I'm holding a gun to his head saying, You're gonna give it to me. The word simply means. You've given me authority to drive the truck. It needs fuel. You pay for the fuel. Give me the card so I can put fuel in, so I can accomplish the purpose you've sent me out to do. Do you follow me? It's not, it's not demand like, God, you're going to give it to me right now because you owe it to me. No, it's because he's given us authority to do something. So he wants us to be doing business, kingdom business for him, and he's already... Laid it all out. It has already put it all out in front of us. He's already poured it out upon us and said, "There it is. I, you know, want you to go do business for me?" And we have to have these needs to do business, and so therefore we're going to the father. And say, hey, Dad, I need the credit card. That's what that word "ask" really means. It doesn't mean asking in the sense you don't know if you're going to receive or not. It means asking in the sense that you've been given authority to do a job. So therefore, you're that word "demand" sounds a little weird, but it's you're demanding that you need what. To do to accomplish the task, so if you put that in line, he says, "If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask demand what you desire, and it shall be done. So when Jesus spoke to the man with the withered arm, he's not doing anything, he always said he didn't do anything but what he saw the Father do. He said, i didn't I don't do anything but what I saw daddy do. And so there's the man with the withered arm. He's obviously withered, he's obviously hurting, he obviously is not restored, he's obviously not healthy. He's obviously not how God wanted him to be. And so Jesus issues the command, stretch out your arm. And the guy responds to the word. He's healed. And the problem with Christians are, we're going and asking God for something that we're not really sure he's going to give us. And that's not what that scripture is talking about. We're not sure because we haven't got down in our hearts that healing is in our covenant. Okay. Go to James five fourteen. Scripture we know, but James five fourteen is any among anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. It's just said, matter of factly, right? It's just a statement. So this is what you do. This is how it works. Call for the elders of church, have an with all the prayer of faith to save sick. But then what happens? And I've been guilty of this myself. I'm not, listen, don't anybody get into condemnation or not? I got the message. So what to be first? I've been guilty of this. Somebody comes up to pray and I say, "Power, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, you know, Lord, oh, bless so-and-so here. But I'm kind of, my mind's gonna kind of think, oh, I hope they're in faith and I hope they don't got no sin in their life. I hope they're coming. You know, you know, I've got all these things I'm thinking about in my head. Oh, is this really going to work? Is this going to happen? Oh, Rather than, than somebody kind and of said, oh, pastor, uh, you know, so-and-so said, oh, okay. Here. Be healed. He said, oh, we can't do that. I mean, you've got to pray them pretty prayers or nobody's going to like it. He didn't really pray for me. He just put some oil on my head and slapped me in the head and told me to go sit down. Because everybody wants the prayer, you know, the more spit flying, more exciting, more emotion you can get, shake their head a little. Heal the power of God. But see, Jesus is just doing what his father said. He's just taking the word. It's so, Jesus wasn't full of doubt. He just had the word in him, and he's trying to show us the example, and he just says, stretch out your arm. Take up your bed and walk. According to your faith, be it unto you. Your daughter's healed. That's all he did. He just issued the command. And when they responded to the word and heard the word and acted upon the word, which James is all big on, the, the you know, faith without action is dead. When they acted upon the word, boom, the healing happened. But what we're looking for and where our doubt is, is our doubt is in requesting or asking the father, not believing or knowing for sure that it belongs to us. So then look at this next verse here. Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So when I read that, what immediately just leaps off the page to me is that, again, Paul ties in sin and sickness together. Or James, excuse me. Ties in sin and sickness together. He's saying, look, it's all under the covenant. Get your sin. Get confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, and you'll be healed. So first, he tells us to let the elders pray for you. Then he just says, just pray for one another, and that's what I've always said. I just think it's the coolest thing, and that's why we're always praying for each other. we're always joining hands on Sunday morning praying for it? Because I just want, I just want it to happen in the congregation. I just want to see that. To me, is the most glorious thing in the world. But there's a scripture right there. It says that, that it should be happening, but it. It's got to get into the place where we understand what rights and privileges are ours. Now, go to 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14 says, Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that word again, ask, is the same word of in Acts. At. The same word, as No, I still can't say it. In John 15, 7, the word ask, and this word in 1 John five fourteen ask, are the same word. That's so what I'm trying to get out. As this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So he's saying right here in this... See, because Christians say, well, you can't go be demanding anything from God. No, he's saying my ear is attentive to my servants on this earth that when they're requesting from me or demanding from me what they need to get the job done, I'm hearing that. My ear is attentive to that. My ear is tuned in to the demand that comes from heaven from my children that lines up with my will. Now, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So then it takes us right back. Is healing the will of God? If, it's, if we take healing and we start looking at healing just like we look at sin. I've said this from the beginning. There's not any of us that believe, no matter what anybody did in here, that if they confess their sins, that they would be forgiven. Nobody's going to sit here and say, well, you know, I didn't think he really confessed, right? Or I don't know if he was really confessing, uh, sin for the right reason, you know, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. And I mean, people could do something goofy, but you kind of know what's going on. And if a person is truly repentant for what they did, we all know that their sins would be forgiven and they would go to heaven. There's not any of us would doubt that. But the moment that it turns in your heart to where you believe that healing is under the same covenant, is under the same redemption, is absolutely as as easy to receive as the forgiveness of sins when you have that settled down inside of your heart then you will ask the father anything that's according to his will and you will know he heard you and that go to the next verse that he hears us and if anyone and if he, and if you know that he hears us whatever we ask again same word we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him it's the doubt within our own heart, the doubt within our own lives, the doubt that's been taught for centuries in church that has turned people's ears to where they're shutting the doors of the church rather than opening up and say, anybody who thinks they have the coronavirus, come by here, we will anoint you with oil, and you will be healed when we pray for you. You know, I, I'm, I'm out there, I'll admit it. I, I got some wild imaginations, but, you know, today, reading some headlines listening to some stuff and you know they're talking about oh what's going to happen in our prison system what's going to happen in our nursing homes you know what's going to happen there wouldn't it just be great if a little old christian just showed up i mean a five-footer we don't need a giant just a five-footer full of faith and just went around and anointed every person in there, and they were all miraculously healed got younger got up there and they came over to see how many dead in that nurse you know they're in there you know playing the banjo doing a square dance <laughs> what happened here Oh, they just prayed for us and always prayed for us and we're all healed. Instead of hospitals, they said, you know, hospitals are going to be maxed out in three months. Can't even get in one. Wouldn't it be just great if they were all empty in three months? Because Christians rose to the occasion. But as long as the church has been teaching doubt and unbelief, and that, you know, sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes God says no, sometimes God's using this to kill you sometimes trying to get this in you, trying, just trying to, you know, they got all kinds of stupid things. And I'm just saying, wow, wouldn't it just be novel, just be exciting that we just became Christians, sons of God, just like Jesus wants us to be, that anything we asked and demanded that was ours, that we just walked in it. All doubt and unbelief was out of us. Let me give you one more scripture. Go to Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, that is past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's not going to bless you. He already has blessed you. He blessed you with everything in heaven the day that you were saved. It all became yours, the rights and privileges of sons of God. Sometimes, you know, of course, coming from being a carpenter, I think about it, you know, like that's like going to the job and asking your workers to build a house and not giving them any hammers, but giving them nails. And so you go up there and they're all diligent because they want to get it built and they've got rocks and they're trying to hammer a nail in with a rock and somebody's got a board and they're trying to nail it in and you're looking at them saying, okay, guys, just keep at it. You can get it done. And I feel like that's what the church has been doing. We've been trying to build the kingdom of God with the wrong tools because we never had the, the hammer. You know, I built homes for ten years, and the the guy that I worked for was not he 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 didn't believe in nail guns. Seriously, he didn't believe in a nail gun. He didn't believe they were as strong, and it and I built homes for ten years nailing sixteen penny nails with a with a hammer, and that was kind of his deal. He liked that, you know. That that was you know his specialty. We still built it the way it, they should be. I mean, I don't know how many trusses we built cut out gusset plates out of plywood, glued them, hand glued them, and then took six penny nails and drove, you know, you had to do so many nails in each gusset plate and sat out there all day long as fast as I could driving nails, driving nails, driving nails, driving nails. And now today you get a nail gun and go, took, 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 took. and now they've proven it stronger and lasts just as long as just as good and whatever. Let you do it like me the other day and shot it in my arm. Just want you to know, if you ever want to know what it feels like to shoot yourself in the arm with a nail gun, uh, it's not fun, don't do it. It smarted pretty good when it ricocheted off the side of my rock-solid steel bone. Yeah, I almost had a real story to tell because I was nailing up on the top of a... up in the roof, and I was on a scaffold, and I was by myself, and I shot that thing and went right into my arm, and then... Thank goodness I flinched really hard when it hit and jerked my arm back and jerked myself out. Otherwise, I'd have been hung up there by myself, didn't have my cell phone on me. But I don't know how long if I'd have truly nailed myself. Anywho, the point is, is that it's got to be up to us to rise to the occasion. It's got to be up to us to say, wait a minute, what have I been given? And we always want to, and I'm not saying this because of me, but we always want to push it to the pastor Push it to the elders, but the scripture plainly says, "Confess your faults one to another, and lay hand, and pray for one another, and you'll be healed." So he's talking about it's for every person. Everybody in the congregation can walk in the gift of healing. It doesn't have to be the great apostles or the you know the hierarchy. It's for every person because it's in our covenant. We're making it too complicated. Is what the problem is. We're making it too complicated, and that complication has brought in years and years of doubt and unbelief within our hearts so that we're not going to request from heaven what's rightfully ours that we need to get the job done to advance the kingdom of God on the face of the earth. So think about it this way. When Jesus went, we looked at it, I think, last week or maybe the week before, when we looked at Luke 10 and Matthew 10, where Jesus says he gave authority to the disciples and, and told that group of, uh, to go out and to go to every city and Lay hands on the sick and heal everybody there. And if they don't receive you, just get the dust off your shoes. So there's going to be certain people that aren't going to receive it, folks. You just got to get over that. There's going to be certain people that are not going to receive the gospel. But that didn't. they came back rejoicing and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. Everything's falling. Man, people being healed all over the place is amazing. He gave them authority, told them to go do something. They took what they did. They didn't have to ask him because he'd already given it to them, right? And as they went out and spoke the word, be healed, people were healed that grabbed it in faith. Now, I believe if you sat down with a sick person and said, look, this is what the gospel says, Isaiah 53, Jesus died for your sin and for your sickness. Here it is over here. He died. Right now you can confess your sins. Jesus will forgive you. And they had their hearts open. What I'm saying to y'all is, be careful what you pray. Don't turn your prayer and then into after you've got them to that point and say, Oh, Father, I thank you that you do hear, you know, whatever. No, no, no. Just speak it. Let them grab it. It's not going to be your eloquent words that gets anything done. It's going to be them grabbing the command of Jesus coming out of your mouth. And so I'm for shorter prayers. Because maybe we'll mess up less. You know how it always is: the more you talk, the more you get yourself in trouble. Maybe that's what happens, and we've got to get that stuff out of our life. And so maybe it's shorter prayers we need, like be healed. (laughs) (laughs) Stretch out your hand if there's a withered hand. Get up off your bed. Maybe there needs to be something. We just got to pull it back because the more we talk, the more we get in trouble. Then before long, we find ourselves falling back in an old rut of a prayer of doubt and unbelief and not even speaking the word and commanding things to move. Y'all following me? So what I think we got to do is, you know, like from tonight's message, what I'm, what I'm challenging y'all to do is to, you know, think about this. Go over these scriptures. Look at this thing. Realize, well, am I asking God? Am I asking it in the, in, in the form of, Lord, if you don't mind, or am I asking in the form of, yes, Lord, thank you for healing, and, and you know, what, what, what where's your faith at? You've got to really ask yourself that. Do you believe Ephesians one three that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven places? Because if you've already, if the issue's been settled in heaven, then it's yours on earth, right? Jesus paid for it. He bought it. His blood on the cross. And so, if it's already settled in heaven, it's yours on earth. And so, all I can say is, you know, I'm sure that in, in all of our our lives and and everything that we we do that there's probably different scenarios to everything and and you, you there's going to be some things that you're going to have to stop and think about, you know. But in general, man, be bold, be courageous. Speak the word of God. Don't back up. Don't 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 give up. Don't quit. If you pray for one person don't and you don't see anything happen, And go to the next one. Find the one that's full of faith. Find the one that's believing. Find the one that's going to get in line. And like I said, people get sick, they start looking to Jesus. Amen? Amen.